Welcome to the Alliant in the Public Eye podcast, a show dedicated to exploring risk management topics and challenges faced by today's public sector leaders. Here are your hosts, Carlene Patterson and Justin Swarbrick. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of In the Public Eye. We have been focusing in the last few episodes on the difficult public entity market for property-related issues. But at the same time that we've been experiencing these challenges, the cyber landscape has also changed significantly. So today, Justin and I have invited Susan Leong, who leads our public entity cyber team, and David Reese, with whom we work in London, to discuss the cyber market for public entities, both here and abroad. Susan and David, we are really happy to have you join us. But before we get started, can you each tell us a little bit about your roles at Alliant and Howden? Thanks, Carlene and Justin, and thanks for having us. I am the cyber line of business practice leader for our public entity practice. And I started actually out in reinsurance um, over 15 years ago, and I moved over to Asia about eight years ago to work specifically on cyber. And now being at Alliant, I have been able to luckily marry uh, the reinsurance as well as the public entity and the cyber line of business all together. Thanks, Susan, and hi, Carleen, and hi, Justin. Um, so my name's David Rees, and I head up the cyber practice at Howden Specialty in London. And so I focus on all things cyber and tech, you know, across a range of different industries and different sectors and across any country across the world. I've been doing cyber specifically since 2005. I was at Marsh uh, back in 2005 and left Marsh in 2012 to set up the cyber practice um, at Howden Specialty. And, and work very closely with Alliant and especially with Susan and Justin on um, various public entity cyber placements. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, we, we've talked a ton about the market this year and just the volatility of it. And it really stems back to 2017 for both property liability and other lines of coverage. But cyber was one of those, um, it was one of those lines of coverage that really didn't seem to be too effective until now. And, and now it seems really to be the most volatile of all lines of coverage. And if you could just talk a little bit about what exactly happened, why, why it didn't seem to be impacted through the hard market cycle and why it's changed so drastically right now, I think that'd be a great place to start. You know, I think um, what's thrown it into the hard market is uh, ransomware losses. That's uh, first and foremost. So ransomware incidents have been around really um, probably around 2014 and maybe a little bit earlier. Um, however, they were small. They were maybe five, 10 or 25,000 in demand. However, the hackers have realized that they can really monetize on public entities as well as the private enterprises if they lock down the systems entirely. And um, once they realize this, they've started demanding much higher amounts into the six figures, seven figures, and now we're seeing eight figures. So it's just really changed the payout of insurance companies and, and you know what they're, they're paying out in losses. And in addition to that, we are also seeing um, zero day events such as SolarWinds, uh, Microsoft Exchange, and Acelian. So that's just accelerating um, everything that's been going on. And then the past losses that we've seen of, you know, kind of that data breach piece hasn't gone away. Can, can you just briefly explain what the zero day losses are? I know those have become a, a significant concern from the marketplace. 
but can you explain exactly what that means? Sure. Um, and when we think of just kind of solar winds as an example, it's it's where there it's a type of software or application that um, many organizations use. So it's um, it's implemented across so many industries. And there might be for solar winds, it was an update that they were the hackers were able to implant malware into some of the updates. So once these updates ran at you know a broad level, they were able to really get their malware into multiple, multiple areas. And so it, it's an aggregation concern ultimately for the insurance companies and it's an ability for hackers to reach large swaths of organizations quickly. Got it. For public entities specifically, over the past several years, it's become really the norm to have cyber liability. And, and historically it's it's been something fairly easy to secure in the marketplace. It, it just seems like that's changing so rapidly. So for our public entity clients, whether they, they buy insurance currently or, or don't buy cyber insurance, what exactly are underwriters looking at from the public entity sector in terms of cyber risk and exposures? Um, I, I could speak first and then I'll uh, toss it to David for the London perspective. So specifically on the public entity side, because historically public entities have had lower budgets than their private counterparts, which affects the amount of people that they have hired, as well as the software and the hardware in place and other security measures that really just cost money. They're, the insurance companies are looking to see if they are now putting resources into these areas. Are they doing multi-factor authentication? Are they purchasing endpoint detection software? Are they um, having individuals behind that software manage it? You know, how are they handling their backups? Do they all do kind of the three, two, one rule, have three copies of it? One, one copy that's uh, offline and disconnected to the system and then one copy in the cloud and then one working copy. Um, and, and just so looking now scrutinizing very closely the controls, the way they scrutinize the controls across all other industries. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's, this, it's the same from the, the London market perspective in terms of what insurers are, are looking for. It's, it's almost as if um, some of the items that Susan just mentioned, uh, they've gone from being things which um, maybe you know a year ago, two years ago were nice things to have and maybe viewed as, you know, if you have these things, you put yourself into a better, better group, so to speak, whereas now it's almost that these items are must-haves, and it, it, it's often the case that if an insurer does not have these, that they, they may not get a get a quote, or the or the quote that they do get is worse than it would have been had they um, implemented some of those controls. So yeah, it's, it's I'd also say that the market's quite reactive at the moment, like it's pretty fluid in terms of what's happening with rates and and, and insurer appetite, and it seems to react to. We're obviously talking about public entity, but some of the some of the items, I think, some of the issues, if you like, is that the hackers are targeting particular um, vulnerabilities, and so they're picking on those vulnerabilities as opposed to picking on. I'm going to say picking on, sorry, it's quite a British phrase, isn't it? They're targeting. Um, they're targeting those industry groups or those insureds which have those vulnerabilities, and it just so happens that some of those might happen to be public entities. But at the same time, they could be manufacturers, they could be um, in in the healthcare sector. So it's um, it's almost if, if having those vulnerabilities 
happens to fall into public entity, but it, it can equally fall into um, other industry groups as well. In the past, the cyber marketplace was pretty broad. There was a lot of different carriers writing cyber. And then the number of carriers that um, would write public entities have, you know, that pool of underwriters was much, much smaller. You know, it sounds to me that it's not just individual carriers anymore, but it really is, or even specific in underwriters. It sounds like it's much more worldwide based, the problem is, and it's much more systemic. Am I, am I right in that, in thinking that? Yeah, Carlene, absolutely. You're spot on. Um, I mean, this the ransomware incidents, you know, the zero day events, just just the normal typical hacking that happens, you know, accessing data in an unauthorized manner. It's it's all systemic across all industries uh, globally. So we're this is not, you know, a, only a U.S. public entity cyber issue. And it's, it's just ex exacerbated by um, it's been fairly quiet for many, many years for public entities and until the hackers realize that, hey, the, these are entities that control critical infrastructure, such as, you know, water, power, electric, police and fire, 911 schools, that if, if they take these entities down, there's a better likelihood of payout and, and kind of them understanding that, you know, the budgets have been low historically, so their controls might not be similar to their private counterparts. And, and so it might be a little bit easier to infiltrate these entities. And then just really from, you know, an insurance company standpoint, they, they're just paying out a lot in claims in every sector, including public entities. So, so that's part of the reason that we're seeing that it's systemic because you know a lot of these insurance companies, they're not just domestic here. They have Lloyd syndicates, you know, they're global, they're in multiple countries, et cetera. And, and they roll up into one or very few balance sheets and financial statements. You know, Susan, you, you had mentioned the ransomware epidemic being a, a key driver to this market. And, and why it's hardening so fast and the size of those claims. For those of our clients and, and public entities out there that purchase cyber liability, they know that that's, that's one of the coverage parts. That's a trigger on the policy and an insurance company will actually pay a ransom. In, in some case, have, have we created our own worst enemy by having that coverage included on insurance policies and actually paying these ransoms over the years? Um, I'll, I'll take this one first and I'll also um, ask David for his perspective in London as well as the Bermuda markets that he works with. You know, that definitely has been discussion and I think just from a human standpoint, yes. You know, if you go to the well and there's water, that you'll probably go back to the well and keep getting water until it's dried up. And I think we're at an inflection point in the industry where as, as you said, there's the payout of the extortion payments from the insurance companies. And for the most part, up until very, very recently in the last 12 months, they've been full limits if the insurance company approves of it in writing. And now we're starting to see them sublimited, um, also coinsurance, as well as excluded in some extreme cases. Yeah. And, and, and to add to that, I, I, I agree. I think there must be a feeling and, and, a, and a sentiment that having this insurance coverage under a policy does sort of feed the problem to, to a certain extent. And that's, that's certainly exacerbated by fairly recent events actually involving um, 
you know, certain insurance companies that suffered um, cyber events. And there's been a, a bit of a panic within the cyber insurance community from the from the perspective that there's a thought that hackers are actually trying to um, steal the data within the insurance company to find out exactly who's buying cyber insurance, what extortion limits they have in order to target those entities with the higher um, higher limits. And so there is an argument to say that having that cover has funded the problem. But, but at the same time, there's, there's also an argument that um, without that cover being available, the, the repercussions of the cyber event to particular insureds in, in, um, in public entity and, and other areas too, the financial impact would have been far, far worse had they not been able to pay that ransom in terms of the business interruption, the damage to data and uh, the knock-on effects from, from the event. And so it's almost that having that insurance did help um, avoid a, a worse situation. But I certainly do think that in order to to make this problem go away. There's need, there needs to be more involvement from governments in, in terms of trying to focus down on these, these hackers, these groups, and trying to, to put a stop to them. And, you know, things like freezing Bitcoin wallets and things of that nature where these funds are stored. So that there's certainly things which people can do to help this problem go, go away. Yeah, I remember when we would talk about cyber, it was all about the services. You know, it, was, it was having somebody there to call right after you had a breach, and, and that was the value of the policy. But in the past two years, we've just seen a, a, a flip of that. I mean, the services are still important, of course, but we've seen just such massive payouts that it is, it's no wonder that the market is, is where it is today. Have you seen any particularly interesting claims or, or large claims worth noting? Yeah, sure. I I can take that first if you want, Susan. Just um, I've I've seen a lot. <laughs> I suppose I'll start by saying, um, and certainly seeing as Susan touched on um, earlier on, the the ransoms themselves are substantially bigger these days. It's it's not abnormal to have ransoms in 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 the tens of millions, and certainly seen a few of those. Um, I think one of the one of the worst I've probably seen involved a hospital network in in the U.S. It was actually the, the way in which the hackers got into to the network was was problem in the first place. It, it was actually essentially the CISO clicked on a, a phishing email, which was successfully blocked by the, the the firewalls and the systems in place to block such phishing emails. However, he managed to click on one on a personal device. Um, but due to the the amount of um, sort of leeway that he had within the network and how people could jump from one one part to another because of his um, his rights, then it ended up pretty pretty bad and basically spread across the entire hospital network that the ransom demand was large to start off with it was it was around 30 million dollars it did get paid it was negotiated down but it, it got to the point where the hospital was in you know in the process of having to move people around into different hospitals in order to get care because um, they they just couldn't function and and so i think i've seen a lot in terms of large ransomware losses but when you started to see obviously like an, an impact on you know actually on human life, um, it, was, it was quite a severe case. And similar to David, uh, we at Alliant have seen quite a bit in public entity, both in frequency and severity, they've increased uh, substantially year over year. Uh, the one that comes to mind is actually, it's, you know, your quintessential hack during a holiday. Everybody was, uh, you know, not around. It was a very large school district and it just had thousands of servers affected immediately. And, and it was a seven figure 
ransom demand and still being worked on. Um, they're still making sure that everything is cleaned out of the system and um, that they can move forward in, a, in the way that they were before. Those are large claims, obviously, and, and probably hit the press that we've all seen in the media, but it's, it's not just the severity piece, it's the frequency too that we're seeing, and it's the hundred, the $200,000 claims that are probably having a, a, a massive effect. Yeah. yeah, and 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 these claims, the the way they hit, they we're used to where they only hit one coverage part in the past, which is typically you know that piece where you have to notify individuals and maybe provide some um, credit monitoring and a call center thereafter. But with these ransomware incidents and and why they've exacerbated the hard market is that they hit multiple coverage parts. They hit potentially those three that were just mentioned, sometimes uh, business interruption, data recovery. Um, if there's any type of negotiation or payout, they hit the cyber extortion piece. And then if there's some sort of class action, it hits the liability piece. And if the government finds out that all the steps under laws and regulations weren't taken, it could hit the governmental fines and penalties piece as well. So as you can see, it starts adding up very quickly. So in some of these cases with the, with the claims that you talked about, um, were there steps that the entities or the clients could have taken to avoid it? Are there some loss control things that they could have done? So, you know, like for instance, with the hospital, you know, were there redundancies or is there something that they could have done to avoid that huge claim? Or is it something that because they got in with the malware and everything else, there wasn't really any kind of an alternative. Yeah, certainly. I mean, in, in that particular case, they could not have, if they'd not clicked on the link, that would have certainly helped. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think just knowing what happened on, on that um, claim and then on other claims that we've seen, there's, there's lots of things which, which can help. And you touched on one, uh, just their redundancy. So, so backups. Um, when this kind of event happens, that's one of the first things that's, that is looked at is, is the are you going to pay or are you not going to pay? And if, if you've got backups and you can you can back yourself up from those backups to, to the same sort of point as you were prior to the event, then there's potentially a need not to pay the ransom. Um, so having backups um, which are separated from the network is certainly a good thing. Sadly, one thing that we are seeing a lot more of, and, and again, something Susan was just touching on in terms of the various covers which are impacted, we're seeing a lot more of these ransomware events not just being they, they lock down your system and are demanding the ransom. They've also managed to steal data. And so they're threatening to, you're asking for the ransom to release the keys to um, unlock the system. But it kind of takes away one of your cards because even if you have backups and they happen to have data which they can release onto the, onto the dark web, forces you in, in a way to pay the ransom because the backups don't necessarily help you there. Um, but there, there are certainly things which you can do. So backups, segregation of networks, multi-factor authentication, phishing training is, um, is, is key as well. Yeah, it really goes back to Justin's point, which is that all of the services that come with the insurance policy are also still critically important. I had a good public entity risk manager friend and you know they do all kinds of training and their risk management department two of the people managed to click on a link that you know, really caused critical issues in their claims management systems, their computers for you know, a good long time. And so um, even with the best training and the best knowledge, clicking on links is uh, a bad thing. So we try and avoid that. You know, we didn't really talk about the specifically about the market and what we've been seeing in the insurance market, but you know, you all 
are in front of our clients quite often and having to share the bad news, how are they responding to this hard market and what have they been ending up doing when it comes to their renewals of policies? Um, from the Alliance side, it, it varies, honestly, depending on individuals and their specific situation. It's a, a spectrum of shock, frustration, amazement to complete acceptance. Um, it's an unfortunate time in the marketplace where the rising costs are forcing many public entities to make really hard decisions on where to deploy their limited budget. Uh, many of them are taking this as a learning opportunity and asking questions, asking for help on how to make the right moves towards strengthening their cybersecurity controls. Um, most of them have been very understanding and working closely with us to provide as much information on their cybersecurity controls as possible to give them the best chance in the marketplace. Um, we're also seeing unfolding before our eyes, you know, a kind of a sort of renaissance, really, in the IT departments at public entities. For the first time, um, I'm, I'm starting to see CISO positions opened up where they didn't exist before and filled very quickly. They're looking now very closely at their legacy systems, historical data held. Do they actually need this data or should they, you know, not hold it anymore? Um, you know, and public entities, it, it's part of why I like being in this part of insurance that our clients are actually showing quite a bit of resilience and grit in, in the face of tough times, but it's tough times for sure. I mean, they're, they're making very tough decisions. There, there is one client that had the discussion of should they have cyber or wind coverage? So it's, it's not pretty out there. Wow. Wow. So how do you as a broker prepare yourself uh, when you're facing these clients to make sure that we're bringing the best product to the table? David, you want to take this one? I'll go after. Sure. So I think um, having information is is key, and and I think obviously preparing um, preparing an insured and and advising them on the on the marketplace in terms of what's going on in order to to educate them and and give them, I guess, realistic expectations about what can 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 happen. Um, I, th I think information is certainly key, just because it allows you to obtain the best possible terms that you can. And, and as, as I've mentioned earlier, in some cases, just obtain terms. Um, and so it is, it's working with the insurers and, and pushing forward the idea of the, you know, this particular short insured having these items um, and ticking the, the right boxes and therefore making them less of a, a risk and, and less susceptible to ransomware events and things of that nature. And, and also working with insurers um, who are dedicated to, to, to this space. Um, insurers that are committed and insurers that have the ability and capacity, capacity being the operative word, in order to carry on writing this business um, even through these, these tough times. I think David's more pragmatic than me. I like to say coffee, wine, and ice cream are getting me through this. <laughs> um, but no, really, I, I think, you know, like any other job, um, being a broker is just a, a long-term game. And you know, it's it's really having those relationships and knowledge um, way before the hard market comes, um, and and just you know, we've been as a company studying this line of business for years, learning the ins and outs of the policy wording, carrier appetites, studying the claims trends, like how David said, you know, having this information on hand, accumulating and analyzing this data that we have and, and really building strong relationships with the marketplace and our clients. So when, as, as we are in, you know, the, the bad storm, um, we're able to utilize information effectively and have honest conversations of what's going on versus, um, you know, going to, into these relationships 
cold. Um, and, and so with all that, you, you just hope that all the preparation through the years will, will take um, you until the hard market ends. Right. We uh, want to, we're, we're dealing with two things this year, it seems like. One, significant rate increases. Two, just a significant increase of, of data needed to just, to just obtain quotes. What, what do you anticipate the market looking like in a year from a pricing and coverage perspective, but also from a information needed perspective so that our clients can, can start preparing for that now? I think it's going to get worse in the next 12 months before it gets better. Um, we'll continue to see more of the same. Carriers leaving the public entity space. Um, just last week, we heard another one leave the cyber public entity space. Tightening of terms and increase in pricing, perhaps even more drastic coverage reduction strategies if the current ones that they are trying to implement do not work and trying to stabilize their losses. Uh, you know, the, they're going to continue to test to see what helps them stabilize their losses in the insurance carrier space. Um, and our, our public entity risk managers need to have a, a plan and communicating closely with the IT departments. So not only a plan to obtain the information needed, but also a plan if an incident should happen. Not, not just having that plan in writing, but actually testing it out to making sure that, okay, where everybody is supposed to be, when this happens, you're, you know exactly what you're going to do and you know, no, nobody freaks out or there's not a specific kink in the system. And if there is, it's fine. You, know, you work it out in kind of that, that practice piece. And then really just, just more education on best practices and communicating all this that they're doing back to the insurance companies, because that's what the insurance, you know, it, if you're filling out an application and the question just says, do you have this yes or no, and you're working on it and you're going to complete it in the next two months, you know what, grab a Word document and put that information in. Or if half your applications have uh, multi-factor authentication, then you know, grab that or even pick up the phone and say, hey, I wanna know why our other applications should have multi-factor authentication and you know, kind of think through that item and if, if the budget is available you know, to work through it. So it's, it's kind of holistic in seeing it from beginning to end and then looping in all your partners as to um, what's going on in your organization echoing what Susan's just said, but I unfortunately agree that it's going to get worse before um, before it gets better. But you, you can liken it in a way to the to the property market in the sense that when the when the wind stops blowing as hard in the property market, then things start to get um, a bit better from a, an insurance perspective. It's, it's the same here, just because we're, we're not seeing any um, change in, in the trend and, and the, um, the severity and frequency of these claims. But with all of this all of this focus on on the cyber cover now in terms of the questions that insurers are asking and as much as they're insurer questions they're obviously they're to the benefit of everybody in in the chain obviously the, the insured themselves as well as the insurer to have to pay less losses but if if more and more entities are paying attention to this and implementing these what, what are now classed as almost basic line controls then it, it, it would have to move to a point where you know hackers are going to have to do something slightly different in order to achieve what they what they're currently achieving and so weirdly maybe this this hard market and um, obviously the claims that we're seeing will come to something positive um, in in the future you know what 
you both mentioned with regard to the marketplace. And it's just, it's critical that the story that our clients are able to tell to the markets is really important. What are they doing? Before uh, IT was a tower over here, risk management was a tower over here, and they really didn't talk a lot. And it seems like more and more, they're actually in the conversations and having conversations with our underwriters directly and bringing the IT folks into those meetings, which I think is really helpful. And it goes back to the theme that we've been talking about, regardless of what the subject is, which is data, data, data is really important. So, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up, you know, Susan, this is for you, you know, dealing directly with our clients here in the U.S. What do you think you would have said to them 12 months ago if you knew today what was going to be happening in the cyber market? You know, and what do you think you would have told them? And, you know, what will you tell them 12 months from now? Um, Understand your systems and data. Document your understanding and have a plan on how you will protect your mission-critical systems and data in a cyber incident. You know, unfortunately, insurance prices will go up to astronomical levels. That's, I, I, wish, I wish I knew 12 months ago how bad it would be. Um, David actually was one of the first people that warned me of the hard market. He could speak to it, but I, I, I don't think that we both knew how bad it would be for public entities in the U.S. And so with that, I would ask that they budget much higher than um, anything that they've heard in the marketplace thus far, because, you know, I know a lot of public entities work very strictly on budgets and, you know, getting their approval from the board, et cetera. You know, I think in the next 12 months, plan and budget, have a continuous plan of how your organization is improving your cybersecurity controls, test your incident response plans, your business continuity plans to see how it works, you know, where the kinks are again in it, and then um, work it out when it's it's kind of that you have the safety net that this is not actually real so that when if knock on wood, it does happen, you're, you know, a smooth running machine. And really, again, budget for your organization to improve your cybersecurity system. So not only budget for the insurance, but on the cybersecurity side, the insurance marketplace will continue to need data. That is not going away at all now. Be prepared to provide it. The prices and terms will likely deteriorate in the next 12 months. So be prepared for what this means for your planning and budget. And continue to ask the good questions that they are asking because, you know, we're, as as their broker, you know, the insurance companies, the vendors, everybody's out there to help each other, you know, to to fight the good fight. So continue asking the questions and be prepared to have tough discussions with your boards in the future about this. So David, since you had the crystal ball and you know was warning Susan of the hard market, can you add on to what Susan talked about? Yeah, sure. I, th- I think um, it's it's just from doing the cyber on a, obviously on a day to day basis and, and seeing it through lots of different geographies as well. It, it was um, it was apparent that something was happening, but I think in terms of what I would have said twelve months ago is. I think I've mentioned this a few times, but these these uh, IT security protocols, which before were nice to have, and, and now you should have, it probably would have been that, that um, focus on this stuff now, like make sure you, you're implementing this stuff as opposed to sort of focusing on it now in, in the current day. And in terms of going forward, what would I say um, in 12 months time is just carry on doing it. Like it's it's, it's for the good of everyone. So it's um, it, it'll help you as, as an insured obviously not the people not trying to help the insurers but if the risks are better risks everybody's gonna gonna win from that 
Yeah, that's a good point. I guess it's a general theme, which is, you know, as brokers, when we are representing a particular client in a particular state, like maybe it's a county in Oklahoma, that might be our client, that we try and differentiate and individualize that client to the insurance market. But ultimately, it is a global market. And so, you know, while we're trying to represent that particular client, there's also a lot of things going on in the insurance market that that client can't control. And so it's just another, uh, I guess, just another realization that it's a global market. What happens in um, public entity in the UK or the public entity or even airlines or whatever it is, it does come back and impact our individual municipal and um, public entity clients. So um, really would like to thank both Susan and David for joining us today. It is a challenging public entity risk management uh, role that you all have. And um, we are focused on trying to provide information to help you navigate 2021 and beyond. So thanks very much to both of you and talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And for more information, go to insurance.alliant.com forward slash in the public eye.